0: Hello and welcome to How About Them Huskers. My name is Will Noter-Francesco and I'm joined as I always am by my grandpa, Husker Dan from Husker Max in the beautiful city of Omaha, Nebraska. Grandpa, how are you doing this fine June afternoon? Uh, it's been, uh, College World Series is approaching. Uh, Omaha is getting ready for that. How's, how's life been going over uh, in the summer, beginning of the summer for you guys?
1: Well, it's, I'm really excited. I'm excited today. I'm excited every time we do these, but especially <laughs> when we have a guest like Jeremiah Searles. I mean, that is that's just awesome. And uh, I can't wait to get what we're we're talking about. You know, we have a 40 minute limit here. We're going to have to get we won't have enough time to go through all the questions we want. And maybe the next time we do it on Jeremiah's Zoom, you know, uh
2: yeah, i'm a man. talker i'm a talker too I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna come right out and say i know that you are I, can, <laughs> I can get on a ramble that's I can fine. get on a roll so if we want to keep rolling you may have to just say hey jeremiah zip it we're moving on <laughs> no offense taken none will be taken on this one
1: <laughs> well i'm going to introduce it. and i have to read this again because i'm old and i'm a geezer and i need all the help i can get I remember Jeremy, uh, Jeremiah, rather, uh, you're from Lakewood, Colorado. Correct. And I want we want to ask you about how you got recruited. But before that, you played, well, you, you redshirted in 2009 and played mm-hmm. from 2010 to 2013. We've talked to a number of people, your teammates, from Tommy Armstrong to Ron Kellogg to obviously Cole Pensick, and we miss him dearly. Uh, Jordan Wester Camp, uh, and then you're you're on that same group there. I don't know, it wasn't by design, I can tell you that, but it just it just has happened. But but uh, you went on, you know. I, I look at some of the things that that you did academically. I mean, there's this stigma that you know dumb jocks and this kind of stuff, and and you 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 were uh, academic all Big Ten. Um, you're three time Nebraska scholar athlete honor roll. And you were the Brook Beringer one the uh or you're on the I guess it's the Brook Beringer citizenship team. Yep. That's you're messing in pretty tall cotton there, Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Oh, thank uh, I don't you. know if you if you take more satisfaction out of this the uh playing versus the the uh scholarly portion of that. But oh, that I mean,
2: for, for me, I went to Nebraska to get an education. You know, I never, I thought, I mean, it wasn't until my freshman year, sophomore year in high school that I even thought college football was a realistic thing. And then get my first offer and like, holy crap, I'm going to get college paid for. And then <laughs> I go, like, I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to go get an education. And I get to, the, to college and I play my freshman year. And I'm like, man, I may have a chance to go play in the NFL, but NFL, not for long. Like I need my education. And so I took my education extremely serious when I was at the university.
1: You, you majored in management. I have no idea what that is.
2: Yeah, so I did uh, business management with uh, with an emphasis in entrepreneurship, um, you know, so I really wanted to start my own company, own my own business, um, and just learn the ins and outs of like managing people. Um, and, you know, playing in the NFL, now I do own my own business, I own my own sports yeah. agency, um, you know, so I'm managing uh, people, I have three partners that are in, the, it's just the three of us, and we want to grow this company and grow it big. And, you know, so I'm just using the tools that I learned at the, the College of Business there. Um, and just continuing on that. So, I mean, I'm definitely putting that education to use now.
1: We want to get a little bit later to your, your broadcasting skills, which mm. m- most people were blown away by what you did in the spring. game. I want to talk about that a little bit later. You spent several years in the NFL. You didn't get drafted, but a guy, a tough guy like you from Lakewood said, I'm going to try it. And you got on, you got, you played, uh, what five years, something like six. that, six, years, six, yeah. um, yeah. And we want to talk to you about your experience there. And now, as you mentioned, you're a co-owner of One West Sports Agency. And I, I said, I read that you're a certified NFL agent. I have no idea what you have to do to become that.
2: Yeah, you have to actually pass an exam through the NFL PA um, in order to become a certified agent. You know, it's about a 33% pass rate every year. Uh, you know, wow. so it's one of those things that people think you need to be a lawyer or uh, some uh-huh. type of a background. But really, you just have to understand the law of the NFL right? There's the collective bargaining agreement. You have to know that inside and out. And I had a leg up on that because I lived it. I, I lived it for six years. It was my law. It was what I had to abide by every single day. So, I mean, it was a pretty simple test for me to go out there and crush and pass and become certified.
1: And then you do a, a, a podcast, a video one. Ours is not a video one, of course, called Sideline Sliced Podcast with Jessica yep. Uh And how did that get started, by the way?
2: Yeah, you know, so it started back in 2020, 2021, I believe was the year when I was doing the sideline reporting for the Husker Radio Network. Yeah. And so we wanted to do a podcast while I was doing it. So we're like, oh, I'm on the sideline, sideline slice. Valentino's wanted to sponsor it, Um, you know, (laughs) so it became the sideline slice with Searles. And we've just kind of kept that going, even though I'm not on the sideline now. I've also started a new podcast called the O-Line Committee with uh, alex boone who played 10 years in the nfl he trains all of my offensive linemen up at our gym that we opened up in minneapolis you know we break down tape of what the nfl's doing from an o-line's perspective a trenches perspective we ask dumb football questions and you know we have a lot of fun with that so i actually do two podcasts now um which is a ton of fun
1: well that's nice of you to take time to do a third one today. of that's, course that's
2: pretty cool Will, I don't want to hog
1: the. Uh, oh
0: no, the- you're good. I was I was just about to jump in. Um, yeah, jump in. So with these, you, having two podcasts, having the uh, sideline slice yeah. podcast, you were an analyst for BTN or Big Ten Network, I should say. abbreviated yep. for people who don't know. Um, last year for the or for the Husker Spring Game, um, how did how did that situation come about? Was it because of your podcast Did that has something to do with it? Is that something yeah, you-, you wanted to do? With-
2: Yeah. You know, so it kind of just fell into my lap. Honestly, you know, Damon Benning had done it for years and years and he's now the analyst for the radio network. He took over for Matt Davison. And, and so he was big 10 reached out to me and they're like, Hey, we need an analyst. Your name got brought up from multiple people at the university. Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be a ton of fun. I've never done, I've never done analyst work. I want to do analyst work. You know, I'd love to one day do analyst work next to Greg Sharp for the radio network. And so I was like, yeah, I'd love to give it a shot at and do a try. And it was hard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. It was, it was a little harder than I anticipated. I mean, I think, honestly, I think it'd be a ton easier to call a regular game than the yeah. spring game because a, you have to know like 150 names and yeah, you bouncing back and forth. Like I'm looking at a depth chart, like, okay, 41, just made a tackle. 41's on my depth chart as a tight end. Right. Like, and you're trying to like yeah. analyze in real time, figure out what's going on in the field, people all over the place. And also it's like, there's no TV breaks. There's no like timeout breaks. You're just constantly going, but I had an absolute blast with it. I'd love to do some more moving forward. Um, but that was more just a one-off thing for right now. You you know, the
1: the key to that, Will, I, I I know you and I've talked about, uh, broadcasting, you know, crews of knowing when to talk and then the other magical thing is when not to talk. Mm. You, you shine. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, did you hear Jeremiah say, yeah, I did. It was out. It was it wasn't it wasn't just good. You know, I mean, there have been other players. And if you have that expertise and you have a little gift to gab, you can get by. But you knocked it out of the park, my friend. And I'm not saying that because you're here. It, 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 I just hope there's a spot for you. And if you have time to do it.
2: Yeah, I love it. I had a blast in it. I agree. You know, I watch some of the commentators that call them like, shh, the game's on, oh, yeah. right? Like, shh, watch what's happening. Or for me, I can't stand when commentators don't know what they're talking about. And that might just be like a normal fan. You might look at it like, oh, okay. But like, if I'm watching, like, oh, see how they dropped into cover three here, and I'm like, that's a single high safety. That's cover one. You <laughs> might like, or are like, are like, oh, they're running a power scheme here. I was like, there was no pulling guard. That's not a power scheme. Like, it drives me nuts. So I just like to try and be sharp to the point, and just try and give as much knowledge as I can in a quick couple seconds.
1: You uh you played uh you from Lakewood which is a suburb as they used to say of uh Denver. <laughs> and how did what was what was your recruiting uh you know, like you know yeah. coming to Nebraska and, and telling your know, all your friends in Colorado you're going to go play for the enemy?
2: Oh I, I got a great story here. So I uh when I was in my junior year I had about 16 offers. Um you know I hadn't committed anywhere and I really wanted to go to CU. And, you know, so my last game of my junior year, I tore my ACL oh. and, you know, I was talking to a lot of the schools and, you know, a lot of schools were like, Hey, no worries. We think you're going to come back. You're going to be strong. You'll be good for your senior year. Not a big deal. You know, Bo Pelini called me personally and was like, Hey, Jeremiah, regardless if you would never play football again, like we'd honor your scholarship to come here uh-huh. get your education. And I got a call from Dan Hawkins at the time who was the head coach. And he right. actually said, you know, Hey, Jeremiah, we're going to have to pull that scholarship offer." Um, unless Ooh. you come to our camp in the summer and prove to us you're healthy and at that moment I no longer wanted to go to see you at that moment I wanted to go somewhere that I could beat them every single year <laughs> and, and so at my signing day um, you know I commit to Nebraska it was my final three were Oregon Nebraska um, and Arizona State and you know on my signing day I get asked that question by the local news station like why not see you and I told that whole story, right? And I was like, yeah, oh this is what God. happened. Da, da, da. And I'm just going to go somewhere I can beat them every single year. And lucky enough, we did. We beat them both years that we played them before switching to the Big Ten. And I won more games in one year in Nebraska than I would have won in four years at CU. So I think I made the right choice.
0: Yeah, I would agree.
2: <laughs> um, and, my, and let me preface that with my entire extended family went to CU. Like when oh, I wow. committed to see you, I had cousins calling me like, what are you doing? Black and <laughs> gold. And when I told them that whole story, they were all kind of like, well, I mean, I get it. And I was like, also, I, I want to go somewhere that doesn't suck at football. Like, I don't, I
0: don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> CU's not very good. Yeah. it's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> Um, how did your recruiting process kind of start from, from an, at least Nebraska? You talked kind of generally how how specifically with Nebraska and with Bo Pelini. We've heard a couple stories with him. With uh, mm-hmm. I, I believe we talked with Cole about that. We talked with um, Jordan Westercamp about that. Um, but how was your recruiting process with uh, Pelini?
2: Yeah, you know, so first of all, um, I got my first offer from Callahan. And I remember oh, okay. getting it from Callahan and putting it handed it to my mom and be like, hey, here's one for the scrapbook. Right. I didn't, really had no interest in going to Nebraska with Callahan. You know, watching the national championship game that year, Bopolini wins the national championship game with LSU, yep. gets hired at Nebraska. I then get a brand new offer from Nebraska from Bopolini. Ted Gilmore was my area recruiter and Barney Cotton, you know, and I was like, okay, let's really explore this. Now, like, Bo Pelini's a dude like I watched him win that like and my dad and I took an unofficial visit in June before my senior year to Nebraska. We drove up in the middle of June. I come in. I sat in coach Pelini's office for like two hours. I mean, just sat there, put his feet up on his desk, just talking to my dad and I and I walked away from that visit going. This is the school to be right. Nebraska is now the bar. Went to Oregon. I loved Oregon. I loved Arizona State. Went to Texas Tech. Like, I went all over Kansas State. I visited a ton of schools, and nothing was able to beat the atmosphere that Nebraska was, the family base, and really, like, I felt like I could really trust Bo Pelini to not just make me a better football player, but to make me a better man, and that was big for me. I wanted also someone to go that stability. Like, I knew Pelini was going to be here for a long time, right? I, I, did, I went to Oregon on Mike Bellotti. I sat across from Mike Bellotti. And I was like, I don't think he's going to be here for very long. Like, I just didn't get that vibe. And sure enough, he, he left and Chip Kelly came in, you know, so I just loved what it was here. And I mean, pretty much from June before my senior year, I knew I was coming to Nebraska.
1: You So you started off in the big 12 and then saw that change into the big 10. And now with the addition of Southern Cal and UC, UCLA, All
2: right, what do you think about that? And then
1: do you think any more, Pac-12 teams are going to come to the Big Ten?
2: I think this is the – like, I loved – I didn't love initially switching to the Big Ten, but I loved finishing my career in the Big Ten. Because I truly believe it's – I truly believe the Big Ten is the best conference of football. Like, everyone loves to pound the chest of the SEC and all that stuff. But I think from pound for pound, the Big Ten is the best conference of football. And to be able to come in – to the big 10 and they throw us in the meat grinder right away. I mean, we're playing all the big boys yeah, and, to go, and yeah. to go to the championship in our second year. And our granted it didn't end so well for us Yeah, to go to the yeah. championship in our second year and just show that we can compete right away. I loved that, you know, and growing and being a part now, I think the addition of USC and UCLA is the first domino to fall into creating two mega conferences in college football. You know, I think it's going to be, you're going to see the big 12 and the group of five schools start to kind of dissolve. And it's going to be the sec and the big 10 that gobble up all the big schools. And it's just gonna be two major conferences in college football, very similar to an NFL, AFC NFC. And that's just going to kind of be the landscape of what I think college football is turning into.
1: But then the group of five, they like the the big guys like to schedule
2: those guys to get W's. Won't happen anymore. Because if you do wow. that, if you try and schedule a group of fives, you're going to have zero chance at the playoff. You know, I think it's going to be a very much like you're going to try and stack your schedule with with players, big boys, because you're going to have to have the strength of schedule is going to become even more and more important. You know, and I think that you're going to see the SEC start plucking schools like Clemson and Florida State and, you know, finding the UNCs. And then the Big Ten going to venture out to the last of the Big 12 schools that are – big names right oklahoma state you're going to see washington oregon
0: like and it's just going to become two mega conferences so do you you think the do you think the uh, expansion of the playoff has anything to do with that as well like do you think do you think that that well i mean obviously something to do with it but how much do you think that's affecting the like 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 because me like i i believe what you believed uh about two mega conferences before the playoff uh, be- before they announced that it was expanding, but now I'm kind of thinking that it's not going to go that way because they're giving spots to group of five schools. They're giving spots to at large bids. So it's like it's not like I understand strength of schedule still matters for that kind of stuff. But if you win your conference, it- it's an automatic. From what I understand, you get an automatic bid into the tournament. Uh, you or do. sorry, into the. Um, so I just it, how how, I think, how are you still seeing the five year. I
2: think it's gonna be a five year deal. You know, I think okay. like it's gonna be just like the first playoff started and everyone was like first couple years like this is cool and then it was like more teams right now it's gonna be like oh now we have all these teams but now it's like okay we need better teams and it's just gonna keep evolving college football is in a completely evolving landscape right now between nil the playoff system and everything in between it's just a giant morphing thing right now there's no stability to anything in college football right now so i think that they're gonna try this method out for a little bit and then it's just gonna keep expanding keep expanding keep expanding and then Within 10 years, I mean, I think in ten years the NCAA could cease to exist in college football yeah. and college basketball, and it's just going to be managed like a semi pro team almost. Yeah. I, well, I, I NIL
1: kind of kind of goes in that direction. You got kids making a boatload. I was thinking about what do you think about NIL and the transfer portal? And had those two things existed when you played at Nebraska, what would you what would have been your reaction?
2: You know, I, it was kind of the perfect storm. You know, I was a big component of NIL. You know, I went and I sat in front of state legislature here in Nebraska and, and, and pulled for it because I do think that there is a place of college football players making money based off of their name, image, and likeness. But for me, I looked at it from a perspective of it should be for the guys that are great football players that aren't going to have a great chance to play in the NFL. Right. We talked about some names on this podcast, Tommy Armstrong, Jordan Westerkamp, a guy like Kenny Bell. You know, guys that were unreal here in Nebraska and could have made a ton of money in NIL but never played in the NFL. But now they've spent their five years or four years here. They have a little nest egg from the work that they put in to then go on and move on to what's the next stage in life. But then you add the transfer portal, and then, of course, like all good intentions that NIL started out with, it spirals out of control because there is no regulating body. There is no NCAA, just let it out. And as I tell people, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Right. Like it's just everywhere. And now it's become a a pay to play type of thing, you know, with the the emergence of collectives, right? Collectives are now not part of the university. I'm using air quotes here, not part. But really, I mean, every collective works with an athletic department to, hey, we need a defensive end from TCU whose number is 55. You should go talk to him. And all of a sudden he ends up here, right? It's just, it's turning into free agency. It's turning into pay to play and I don't love it, but it is, like I just said, it's the morphing landscape of what college football is. If you don't adapt to it, you're just going to fall behind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you think any of that, like that NIL stuff had anything to do with Dylan or Ola decided to not commit yes. to Nebraska or 100%. what did you...
2: you, know, not, not just the Dylan Rayola. I think, I don't think we ever had a real shot of signing him. If I'm being honest, you know, I think the family ties and all that's great. But if you're a five-star quarterback, you want to go win national titles. Yeah. And we're just not there yet as a program. Not saying we can't get there, but do you want to stake your one shot at playing college football to say, hey, we're going to go make a run at it or run into an NFL offense and an NFL defense that you're going to have a shot at it every single year like you do at Georgia? It just makes sense. Like, and I, I don't hold it against the kid at all. You not know, me either. Until, we start, until we start winning games and we start becoming actual contenders again, it's going to be hard to get those big profile guys.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we, we talked about this a lot that, um, even with, even if do Dil- like Dylan Roller coming to Nebraska would have been big, but like, I'm a firm believer that even if he's not coming, now it opens the door for other guys that we can start. We can focus our energy on other guys because all the recruiting press for Nebraska for the last six months has been about Dylan Raiola. And now it's, okay, there's a huge void now. Who can we fill it with? And, uh, Grandpa, you're going to have to remind me of the guy's name, but we were talking about another quarterback
1: recruit.
0: Yeah, Danny Kalen. Yeah, Danny Um who – has now committed to Nebraska after because Dylan Rola has announced his commitment. Um, how do you think that Nebraska recruiting this year is going to change after this? Cause I feel like this is a major turning point. Like usually most schools don't have this. Like if Oregon loses one five-star recruit, like even, even if it was Dylan Rola for Oregon, like it wouldn't turn a lot of their, uh, recruiting process. I don't think at least, um, it, it wouldn't turn it, but for Nebraska it's a little bit different because, We've been kind of beaten down the last couple of years in season, and we haven't been winning. And it's not the Nebraska that everyone's used to, and it's not an attractive program to really play for. I mean, right now, Matt Rule's doing a great job, I think, of recruiting. Um, but back to back to my question: um, What Dylan Rolla not coming to Nebraska? How does that change Nebraska's recruiting process for the twenty twenty four class? I guess for twenty twenty four class, the, for the rest of the time. Yeah, you know, I don't think it changes a ton.
2: You know, I think that right now, as every new coaching staff has, you are selling your vision. You are selling what you believe you can turn this program into, and that's a really cool thing when you have a guy that's turned it around at Baylor, turned it around at Temple. You know, didn't do great in the NFL, but there's a lot of great college coaches that didly yeah. squat in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, the NFL is a completely separate beast, apples and oranges, and you know, I think that for your first two years as a head coach, you can you can recruit strictly off vision, right? And we saw that with Scott Frost, right? We got some big time recruits. We got, but the only way to keep recruiting and strong is to win. Because at the end of the day, I was recruited. I know what it's like. You can go and it'll be cool and sweet and you'll have a great time. But at the end of the day, if you look at the schedule and they won four games, you don't want to go play there. You yep. just don't. You want to go somewhere that's going to win. You know, so I think the vision and rule is selling right now, the right things. I think rules absolutely the right guy for the job, but at the end of the day, you have to win football games in order to get recruits. It's not rocket science. Like you can recruit as long as you want, as hard as you want, but until you perform between the white lines and you show that you can win, go to bowl games, be contenders in your division, have a chance at conference championships. That's when the big profile and the higher names and the four or five star guys start to come.
1: We want to switch gears here a little bit. Uh, we we will and I had the pleasure of uh, of interviewing your teammate Cole Pensick uh, last August and uh, and I've known Cole for several years and he and I had many conversations and uh, and I obviously was shocked and horrified and saddened and all the other emotions you can have when he was uh, killed earlier this year it does not seem real. It doesn't seem real that we're talking about him in past tense, but I know you were a close friend of his and a teammate. What are some of the things you remember about Cole?
2: Yeah, you know, Cole was, Cole's was one of the first guys that taught me what it meant to be a Husker. And, you know, I'll tell the funny story. Our freshman year, we were at a, we were at a party and we had known each other maybe a couple of weeks and we, we were just kind of hanging out and we had a few barley pops. We were in college. And, uh, <laughs> and he started messing with me like, you're not a true Nebraskan. You're a Coloradoan. Oh, and and oh. we were button heads back and forth and, and John about it. But, you know, by the end of it, like, I, I appreciated that about him because, I mean, when you said, like, what does it mean to be a Husker? All you had to say was Cole Penzik. Like, oh. go talk to Cole Penzik. Like, that, his dad played here. He showed up to every game. Like, he is a Husker. And he was a life beat and a heartbeat in that locker room for in our line room. And, you know, a dear friend that we went and chased elk in the mountains together. We shot deer on the plains. We shot pheasants like it it was beyond football of what he meant to me and to my family. And, you know, I stood in his wedding and I I just again, it's a weird thing to talk about because there is times where you just still don't it doesn't feel real. Like I can remember getting the phone call of, hey, have you heard? Paul Penzik passed away. And I was like, that's no, that's not a real thing. Like I'm sure he's just sleeping and not answering his phone. And I called him about a hundred times. And then eventually the news came out that he did pass. And I mean, that was, that was one of the harder things that I've had to do in my point in my life was go to that funeral and uh, hug Dan Penzik. And uh, that, that one, that it still is, uh it still is not fun.
0: No, uh, we, we appreciate yeah. you sharing uh, those, those stories with us. So I, uh, yeah, grab a ahead.
1: uh, I just—I was thinking. Uh, I think I, I might know the answer to this, but I, I'm not for sure. But uh, if you had had it to do over again, if you could go back and play either pro bo- pro football or play for Nebraska, what would you? What would what would your choice be?
2: Well, if I made money, I would definitely go back to Nebraska. Um, <laughs> the paycheck in the NFL is definitely nice, but I will say this: there is nothing like playing college football the atmosphere, and especially in Memorial Stadium. You know, I played in almost every NFL stadium. I only missed two, and I never played in front of a a crowd in an atmosphere like I did in college football. So to be able to go back and to play one more time in Memorial Stadium in a big night game, sold-out crowd, 91,000, where it's a top-10 matchup, or it's for the division, or one of those games, like, yeah, I'd, I'd give
0: anything to go do that one more time yeah and yeah, our my first i don't i don't remember too much of this besides uh, some of the other like extracurricular from the from the game uh part of it about tires getting slashed um we went to or i guess grandpa took me to my first nebraska game when i was four in 2010 uh nebraska it, this was in uh at, at colorado at cu no um, at memorial Stadium. Or, i was at nebraska sorry yep. sorry sorry yes at Memorial Stadium um and we in nebraska 14517. um this was in your first year playing nebraska what was the first time being playing the team that your entire family had gone to that you'd grown up watching i imagine and 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 idolizing being there uh, and playing and being on that field for the opposite team what was that like
2: yeah you know i i have three great memories about playing CU. one of it was my after I committed, I came up to the CU game in 2009 when Alex Henry boomed the 55-yard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, and then Sue high, Sue. Steps, oh, high steps over Dan Hawkins, his tight side <laughs> cooler, spikes his helmet. Like, I remember that game. As, it was literally two weeks after I committed. And then, you know, the, the following year, I drove myself to Colorado to watch the game um, when I wasn't on the travel squad. And then that year that I got to play them and we had announced that it was the last time we were going to play Colorado because we were going to the Big Ten, like, that was such a big game for me. Cause I was like, man, I got, I got to back up all that crap. I talked in high school, right? Like, <laughs> and I actually was playing against a guy, Curtis Cunningham, who I played against in high school, you know, so to be able to go out there and just lay the woodshed on those boys one last time and be able to call my cousins and just yell, go big red as much as I could, <laughs> you know, that, that was a big one for me. Um, and, you know, and now I just hope that we can go stick it to to the fighting Dion's here this following the next year.
0: Oh Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Is, it, you know yeah. what? I I saw. I don't know if Will, if you you were out of town this past week. Um, I looked at their at their depth chart, Colorado's depth chart, and out of the twenty two starters, first team. You know how many transfers there are on the team? At least yeah, they have.
0: The I, we talked. They have when, fifty something or 20 of their starters from last year. They have. They, they had 50 transfers in total, 50 plus. I don't know what it is now, but they had 50 something transfers. It is just in, incredible. He yeah. is overhauling that program.
1: So, what, Jeremiah, what do you think? I mean, uh, you know, Colorado last year was one in 11. You got to make changes. You understand that. But what what is that going to be? What, what is it? How does that translate this fall for Colorado?
2: I have no idea. It's unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this before in college football. Right. You see new head coaches get in and they bring in some transfers. But like to have the amount of people not just transfer in, but also transfer out. Right. Like that football team is going to be completely night and day difference. And it could be great or it could be an absolute dumpster fire. But it's not going to be anywhere in between. Like it's there. there's no like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like it's going to be like, wow, they went out and won nine or ten games or they were like, yeah, they won two. Like they're not going to be a six and six football team. It's going no. to be drastic in one way or the other, and time will only tell because it is just completely unprecedented.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that goes back to the NIL and transferal stuff we were talking about before. You like, even like there have been coaches like Dion in a certain way that have come through college football, and there is no like, there, there was no NIL, no transferal, like, there's his literally never happened before as you said like there's no no one can say anything because no one knows anything about it because no one's been alive for anything like this so especially
2: especially with as high profile of the coaches it is yes I mean, Deion sanders and coming from i mean uh an hbcu i mean it's not like it was from a csu right. or from a yeah a luke fickle coming from ohio state to wisconsin or like none of that it is a HBCU coach that has coached as a head coach for like three total years and now is now a power five coach and has everything in front of him and the most pressure of any coach. I think I've ever seen as a first time first year head coach in a power five program.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And we talked uh, last episode we recorded about, we kind of went through the first four or so games of the schedule because they announced the TV times and everything for that. And we were Talking about which games we're most excited for, both of us said the first one against Minnesota just to see what this Matt Rule team looks like. But then the other one we came to consensus on was the Colorado game uh, a few weeks after that, and it's like that game will define both those team seasons. I think.
2: Hundred um, percent. I, I completely so. agree with you. I think that those those that that CU game will either be a springboard or it'll be something we will have to claw back
0: from. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What are
1: Uh, are your thoughts
2: given going into
1: this season for Matt Rule? He's you know he's uh, never coached a game for the Huskers, but you go into this season with uh, with a new head coach, uh, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. Only one leftover assistant coach—that's Donovan Raiola—and you have a different defense. 3-3-5 Three three five, as opposed to whatever we've been running four three three four, whatever. Uh, what given all that, I know you've been asked this a tons ton of times, but if you had to come up with a win loss record for this fall for the Huskers, what's your best guess?
2: You know, I think six and six is the goal. You know, and I say that because I I am a full, full on in the Matt Rule camp being around him in spring, getting a chance to see how he coached, getting a chance to see and interview him in our production meetings between the spring game and just talking to people that have played under him or people that have been like in the program now, like he is the right guy for the job. I think it's going to take some time, you know, because at the end of the day, I think he's a great coach, but I'm going to use the, it's an oh, age old coach speak. It's not the X's and O's. It's the Jimmies and the Joe's. Yeah. And we need to get some bigger names in here. You know, we need to grow our players. It's great that we got Jeff Sims. Love that. But great programs grow from within. They bring guys in. They develop them for a year, two years. Then they get on the field, and they've been in the system, and they're then contributing. We got to try and get some transfers to get this thing off the ground. But I'm really excited for what Matt Rule's culture, what Matt Rule, how he's going to grow guys, how he's going to grow this team into his team. And I just think it's going to take some time. You know, I think a realistic expectation is five or six games this year. I'd love for us to get to a bowl game, you know, but if we can win five or six, that's more than we've won in the last few. Like it's yeah. not yeah. like I'm saying, I don't anticipate us going out there and, and winning 10 games this year. I think that's an unfair, realistic expectation to put on Matt rule and this team, but I think a bowl game is very realistic this year. And I think it's very doable.
0: Yeah. And I, I, we, Grant and I talking about that last year with Scott Frost, we said, okay, like we looked at the schedule and we thought, okay, Here's win, win, win. Okay. Even if we lose the games that are close. So I wrote down our predictions at some point. We did this like a massive season beginning prediction uh show and we went through all the games and kind of just analyzed it. And I think um I ended up with maybe saying that we were gonna be nine and four and grandpa said something along the lines of eight and five or something like that. Or not eight and five, sorry, uh or nine nine and nine, I guess it'd be nine and three. Yeah, nine I nine said, and I three said, and
1: then... I said seven wins. I said or seven, seven
0: wins, yeah, sorry, seven and seven and five um and then we proceeded to be three and nine so it's like but now that's that's scott frost and just seeing from that rule i totally agree with you like we we haven't been like Greg and i have not been uh in touch with him as much as you have obviously um but just from watching him in press conferences watching him interact with players um on on the sideline all that kind of stuff and just he is he is the right guy for the job i think that's consensus and a large majority of Husker fans believe that. And that's just like the turning, turning a D one program is uh, big and as prestigious as Nebraska around is like turning a massive Navy warship uh, around. It's not, it's not like taking a little PT boat or something like that or a motorboat and just flipping it. It's not that easy. Um, so yeah, yeah. but uh, I guess la- my important.
2: last. Yeah. Let me just, my last thought on that, you know, is these players have to learn how to win. Until you learn how to win, it's impossible to win multiple games, right? And the only way to learn how to win is to win. And it's a weird thing to say, but you have to learn how to win and handle winning, right? Like we had games that we won under Scott Frost and the next week we came out and laid an absolute egg, right? It's a progression you learn how to practice. First, you learn how to practice. Then you learn how to win. Once you learn how to win, you learn how to handle winning. Once you learn how to handle winning, then you can compete for championships. That's the progression right now. We're learning how to practice. That's what we're learning as a Husker team right now. Then we'll move to the next step. Come the fall, which is winning football games.
1: How how important or how how critical do you think the the Minnesota game? You know, we open at Minnesota on August thirty first. It seems to me that is a lot bigger game. I know if you lose that, you say, "Well, we got eleven more games to play the season's long," and you get all those, you know, uh, slogans. I gotta. I I have to think that. This is a huge, huge game. Maybe normally you you play in, in an opener. Oh, Last year we had we played, you know, against Northwestern, which was ended up being one and eleven. But this is not going to be an easy game, and it seems to me that's a real pivotal point. What are you? Yeah,
2: th- ab- yeah, absolutely. You know, anytime you open with a conference opponent, I mean, there's no hiding, right? And yeah. usually those yeah. usually those first games are very much about who beats themselves who turns the football over, who has self-inflicting wounds, because no one's a polished product at that point. you know. So for, um, for me, that's going to really show me what this team's discipline is like. If we can be disciplined, we'll be able to compete. If we go out there and play like we did in the spring game and throw the football and turn it over left and right, then we'll have no chance. But you're absolutely right. This is a pivotal game that's going to set the
0: tone for what this team looks like throughout the entire season. Well, all right well jeremiah thank you yeah. so much for joining us we're about out of time here but uh, thank you so much again for joining us it's been an absolute honor and pleasure to talk to you and uh, it's it's nice having a fellow podcaster in the in the studio for <laughs> interviewing makes it sound better Absolutely, <laughs> uh, but, guys. Uh, thank you so much we'd love to have you on again um sometime Absolutely. else we'll be in contact with you but, sounds
2: uh, good guys appreciate it go big red you, as what is
0: the the name of your podcast that you're doing now can you yeah sideline slice with
2: jessica cootie and then the o-line committee with alex boone find us on youtube
0: okay cool uh all right grandpa and i will be back next week with some more husker news um and that is all we have and we'll end with what we always do go big red